Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye, Donald. Goodbye, Donald. Goodbye, Donald. You're going to leave us now. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-41. You can also join us in the chat room. And if you go to the blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan, go to the episode page, log in with your free blog talk radio account and then you'll be able to ask questions and leave comments in the chat room and if you're listening after the live broadcast and you want to leave your comments questions concerns etc you can go to the show thread at liberaldan.com facebook.com slash liberaldan or at liberaldanradio on twitter uh that was of course you can support the show by subscribing to the youtube channel <coughs> excuse me liking my uh following me on twitter and on tiktok uh, Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter and TikTok and YouTube. Uh, and you could also support the Patreon, patreon.com slash Liberal Dan or patreon.liberaldan.com. I would be remiss if I didn't start the show with this. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. That I will faithfully execute. The office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability. Will, to the best of my ability. Preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. Thank President. You. And if you listened very carefully uh, during that one, that is from uh, my live stream. That That's the recording of the live stream that I did over on YouTube this morning. And if you listen very carefully, you're going to be sniffling because I was getting a little tear-eyed simply because of the fact that um, just, you know, the emotional of of finally being done with Donald Trump and his presidency, uh, returning back to a time where we have, you know, a a real leader in the White House, somebody who, you know, even if you disagree with with where he stands politically, you know, he's somebody who legitimately wants to, um, he legitimately wants to uh, work with the other side of the aisle. He wants to bring this country together. He wants to be somebody who is a uniter and not a divider. Uh, he wants to be somebody who is going to start the process of peeling. Uh, you know, it's my opinion. There's a lot of people um, in this country where that should 
that should be their responsibility. The people who were involved in um, misguiding, misleading, um, spreading false information about the legitimacy of the election, those people have a responsibility in, to, to, to play an active role in trying to bring everybody together. Uh, I don't think it, it can just come from Biden. It can't just come from Biden. It has to come um, has to come from the other side as well. Um, but you know, Biden, you know, he he reiterated the point where he's not just going to be the president of those who elected them. He wants to be the president of all Americans. He wants to do. Uh, um, he wants he wants to be somebody who who's going to encourage people to to do the right thing. Um, so there's that. You know, I, 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 do I think that maybe he's being a little bit of an idealist, a little bit of an overly optimistic on what he thinks he should, he can be able to do? Um, a little bit, maybe. I, I, I the actions of a lot of the people um, in this country. Uh, over the last four years have made me believe that, that maybe some people are, are irredeemable. They're just so far gone that um, that they just can't uh, they can't work with the other side. Like, like they've just been so overly brainwashed that they're never going to come back. Um, add that, you know, because I, I did do the show a while back now where I'm talking about the two Americas and where I disagree with uh, Barack Obama and even Joe Biden about who who both want to say that there's only one America, the United States of America, and th- despite the evidence to the contrary, that that you have clear differences in the country, you have clear differences in the parties. I mean, Rachel Levine, the the person who uh, Biden promoted to be the assistant uh, secretary at the HHS, uh, trans woman, you know that that is a big step. You know, you know, to, to the person's clearly qualified. She clearly can do the job that is being asked of her. But do you think that the Republican Party would would promote somebody who is a trans woman to to a any sort of position, let alone the Department of Health? Absolutely not. There's no way that they would do it. And that's one of the big differences between the parties is is, is that. Of course, the Republicans would describe it as, oh, the Democrats don't qualify, don't put people because of qualifications. They want labels. No, we want to, we want everybody of all labels to have the opportunities. And if you're qualified, you should be able to serve. And that's what's going on here. Um, so do I think that, you know, I don't, I don't think, I'm not going to say that Biden is naive because he does have a history of working together with people on the other side of the aisle. He does have a history of 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 reaching across the aisle and and working with with those who in the past four years or twelve years I would say have been obstructionist to anything that the Democratic Party wants to do. Obama took office. You know, Mitch McConnell, you know, called himself the Grim Reaper, and he he got himself to 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 not. Uh, you know, to not pass anything that Obama does. He wanted to break down everything. And how do you work with such people? Well, I mean, now that Biden is the president, you kind of, you know, if McConnell wants anything, then he kind of has to. 
Um, I'm planning on maybe making a couple of videos about this, either on TikTok or on YouTube, uh, where because one thing I want to discuss is, is there's been there's been a lot of talk, and maybe I'll get into get into this. Ian Gervis is going to be on at the bottom half of the hour, and maybe I'll get in get into it with him a bit, with the uh, you know idea of well, do you need people were talking on a news day? Oh, you need sixty votes. Why? Why do you need 60 votes? Did you need six? Did Trump need 60 votes to get anything he wanted done done? No. Why? Because the Democrats were unable to because the Republicans went ahead full speed and in their breaking down of the filibuster using the, the nuclear option. Now, there are some Democrats who maybe are on the record who have said that they want to maintain the filibuster intact, but the filibuster is not intact. The filibuster is dead. Uh, it, there's it's on life support, at least. Just put it out of its misery. There's no reason why, the, we sh- why we should allow the Republican Party to be able to keep this country hostage when they were more than willing to not allow us to do the same thing. That, that's the biggest weakness of, of Democrats as I see us, is that we are far too willing to give up the House, hopefully not literally, in, in next year. When the elections are next year, people, just remember that. The elections are next year for Congress to try and keep the House and keep the Senate next year, guys. It's next year. And so so they're willing to give away the House just to, just to, to be amenable? No. The Republicans have to show themselves a bargain, if you will. If they're unwilling to bargain, then we need to be, play as hardball as they're willing to play. Because the Republican idea of, of compromise is pass my thing, not pass this thing as part of this ha- bigger package and we'll consider voting for it because we get the one thing that we wanted. No, the Republican, uh, Republican idea of negotiation is, no, this is the thing we want passed. I'll pass ours. That's, that's, that's their version of compromise. Um, but, yeah, there's 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 – what was the thing I was going to say? I, I forget. I forget the specific thing that I was going to talk about when it comes to uh, the Republicans and compromise and the Democrats and not compromise. But it's just there's there's no reason to just keep the filibuster on life support just to feign sort of unity that the Republicans would never give you. Oh, that's what I was talking about. You had you know one of the pe- people running in Louisiana's 2nd Congressional District um, because Cedric Richmond is moving on because he is working with the Biden administration. So you have several people running. It's several of the you know, people who have been well-known in the party for a very long time, Troy Carter, uh, Karen Carter-Peterson. Um, both of those people are running for the seat. And I hate that. The person who nor whose endorsement would probably normally mean the most for me, Stacey Abrams, uh, is supporting Karen Carter Peterson. Well, what is my problem with Karen Carter Peterson? Well, she, when she was uh, in the legislature, the Democrats of the legislature had the, both houses in the Louisiana legislature. So this is before things flipped. The Democrat and uh, the Democratic coalition, so to speak, was was a group of you know, progressive, liberal, black Democrat folks from New Orleans, Baton Rouge, and other large cities across the state. 
and your more conservative uh, liberals, or not conservative, more conservative Democrats who, you know, you know, maybe they're like your John Bell Edwards type who, you know, John Bell Edwards is a Democrat, but it's also pro-life, that sort of thing. So what did Karen Carter Peterson do? I, I, if I'm recalling the situation exactly as it happened, and I might be slightly wrong on maybe some of the facts, but I'm pretty sure I have it, is that if the Democrats were to, were to have voted as a block, somebody else to be the Democratic, like the, 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 how, the Speaker of the Louisiana House, that, that, that equivalent. And it wouldn't have been Kara Carter-Peterson. It wouldn't have been somebody who was a, one of the black representatives. It would have been one of the more conservative Democrats would have been head of the state. Now, Peterson wanted to make sure that she had a role in the upcoming House. So instead of supporting the Democrats, Peterson supported the Republican to be the House Speaker under some fake idea that, oh, well, the Democrats are going to control the House, so it's tradition that we let the Republicans run the other House and, and not, you know. And back then, I was like, if this role was reversed and the Democrats were in charge, there's no way that the, or the Republicans were in charge. There's no way that the, the Republicans would be like, yeah, sure, go ahead. We will absolutely, we have no problem with, with allowing you to have the, the leadership in a house that you don't have the majority in simply because, you know, there's no way that they would do that because Republicans fall in line and Democrats don't. So to me, Karen Carter Peterson from that point on has been a traitor to the party. Look. You know, I even left the party for, you know, for some for another reason. I left the party for a few years because they endorsed unrepentant convicted felon Edward Edwards. That's because not because I stopped being a liberal, stopped being a Democrat. It's because I was protesting the actions uh, of, of a corrupt Democratic Party. And I believe the Democratic Party was at, at the time was also still being led by Karen Carter Peterson. So there's a lot of things that she's done, if that's true. I want to say it's true. I, I'm pretty sure it's true. But if that's true, there's a lot of things that, that she's done that, to me, have been harmful to the Louisiana Democratic Party in the state of Louisiana. I think by endorsing the unrepentant convicted felon, Edwin Edwards, by, by catering to the, you know, the Republicans and selling out your own party, you know, to me, that, that shows that you're not really somebody that I can trust in a position of power. So why should I trust Karen Carter-Peterson in the House of Representatives? Uh, I mean, clearly, if it's between Carter-Peterson and a Republican, I'm going to vote in the runoff. If there's a runoff, I'm absolutely going to be voting for Karen Carter-Peterson in the runoff. I will hold my nose and vote for her. But there are other candidates who are probably better, who are probably more proven their loyalty to the Democratic Party, not that you know, you, you should be loyal to your country first, state second, party third, but you still need to be so that, that if you're going to be representing the only Democratic district in the, in the state, in Congress, you need to explain to us that you're going to be a loyal Democrat and going to be standing for Democratic things and not go trade your votes to the Republicans to get power for yourself. You heard that's my opinion on that. I mean, let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. Come back, take your calls as well. 914-803-4131. 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. 
world gone mad. One progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, yeah. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things. Nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear, and no one else will. <laughs> Catch you on the tune. If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberaldan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot liberaldan.com. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. It's Talk from the Left. That's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. So join the conversation. It's area code 914-803-4131. Uh, one of the things I found out today, what I did today, I made a couple of TikToks today. Uh, one of them was using the running joke about how, you know, it's going to be minus 45 today. Uh, just regardless of where you are, 
So check out that TikTok for uh, Liberal Day and Radio on TikTok. Also, uh, sea shanties are all the rage. So I've created a couple of sea. I, I participated in one sea shanty and I wrote my own sea shanty parody for Firefly. So if you enjoyed watching the Firefly show, you might enjoy watching my sea shanty. And I'm not saying you're gonna because you might be mad at me for one of the lyrics. And then you, you probably know what what line I use that would make any Firefly fan mad. Uh, anyway. Um, Today, before the podcast, I, one of the reasons I didn't do a live on TikTok before the podcast, and I'm thinking of going back to that, although the last week when I did a live on TikTok uh, with the podcast, I wound up, my phone got overheated, and so I'm not happy with that, and so I don't want to break my phone just doing lives on TikTok. So we'll see what goes with that. We'll see how that might work and see how we can improve that in the future. Uh, however, um, you know, but one of the reasons I didn't do the live is that we did a Zoom call with my family, and I'm, uh, I'm, you know, what's the word I'm looking? You know, I'm lucky in that I I see lots of examples of people that I know on Facebook, and. You see their interactions with their families and how they have broken families because of the election and politics. And I'm very lucky in that but the entirety of my blood relatives, I'll just put it that way, the entirety of the blood relatives, the entirety of the people that I'm related to uh, are liberals. They're all, quote, on, quote, the left. They're not all leftists, but they're all on the left side of the political spectrum, regardless of how old they are. Now, some of my stepmother's family is not, but I'm not as close to to that wing of the family as I am with others. Uh, It's my, the other family that I was raised with. But that being said, you know, she, she has... You know, there are nice people on my stepmother's family. My stepmother's liberal, and that's nice. <laughs> I don't know how my how my dad and my stepmom would get along if, if she wasn't. Uh, but you know, it's nice to see. You know, the, the, it's it's nice to have, be able to have just a a Zoom call with the entirety of the family and and have nobody be like, well, they're not attending the Zoom because they don't agree with all this liberal malarkey or whatever. Blah blah blah. Um, but I learned something new today. Like I, like. One of the reasons that I've been so emotional about things when it comes to this election um, is that, you know, I don't know Joe Biden, but my grandparents always kind of made him sound as if he was part of the family because he he was so loved and admired by my grandparents. Uh, and I always talked about how my grandmother worked on, my grandparents worked on Biden's initial campaigns when he ran for the Senate in Delaware. And I always thought that was the end of it. And one of the other things though, that we had was I thought I always thought it was because of that, that there is a recipe that was found when we were going through the stuff after my grandmother passed away a few years back. And it was a recipe for this chocolate cake that and, and it's Dr. Jill or Jill by or Jill's chocolate cake. And the Jill in Jill's chocolate cake is Jill Biden. So we had the recipe. So we decided to make the cake for inauguration day to celebrate 
46th president of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. And of course, my wife has celiac, so she cannot have gluten. So we had to substitute the flour for a different type of flour, the gluten-free flour. And let me tell you, there's this cup for cup brand that is dead on. Like it's, I make my chocolate chip cookies with them and they've tasted wonderful. I've, we met, she made the cake with this stuff. It tasted great. There's, I have no complaints about this flour and it didn't taste like you lost any sort of flavor. I don't have anything to compare it to. I've never tasted the cake with regular flour to know if it's missing something. But as I, as I ate it today, I couldn't really tell that it was missing anything. There was no way for me to tell. But I found something else out today, um, that there's another connection between the Biden family and my grandparents, that my grandmother was, was, was a teacher, and I think also a librarian um, at a particular school. And I guess for at least a year, if not more, um, my grandmother and Jill Biden were coworkers. So I learned that new today. So that's something that's neat. But you know, I, I so so it's that's what that's one of the reasons why I kind of get a little teary eyed uh, when talking about um, you know when, when when seeing the events of today. Why I teared up. One of the reasons, at least, why I teared up today was because of the fact that me and a uh, is, is that my grandparents always spoke so highly of Joe Biden of the Biden family, and they if they were alive today they would have been so very proud and so very happy to see him take the oath of office. I, I wish they would have been alive to have seen that because, and, and they would have been alive maybe to have seen that if Bo Biden wouldn't have died because I think Joe Biden would have ran for office in 2016 and probably would have beaten Donald Trump if he would have run in 2016 not that he wouldn't joe Joe biden wouldn't have had the advantage of covid and 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 trump's epic failure in response to covid uh, when when it came to that but i think joe biden would at least have the idea that he's a guy he's a man and sexism sexism is still a thing in this country unfortunately and i think that could very well have been the difference between winning and losing in 2016 um but again, since Bill Biden passed away, Joe Biden took took that year off, didn't feel like he could do it. And then he finally agreed, OK, I'm going to do this. And it was so sad the other day. I think it was Tuesday or when it was Tuesday, I think, when Joe Biden was like, this should be Bo here. It should be Bo who's taking the oath of office, not me. And it's just like, who's cutting onions? I'm not cutting onions. It's, you know, very touching, the fact but. You know, so when you if you watch the live stream for me today, if you listen to the uh, Biden oath of office, um, you know, and, and hear me sniffling in the background, it's because you know part of it is because I'm just imagining how my grandparents would have reacted had they been alive to see him taking that oath of office. So anyway, I believe we do have Ian on the phone, so let's go ahead and bring him on right now, if I'm correct. Uh, is that you, Ian? Yes, it is. How are you? Awesome. I, I'm doing great. <laughs> I, I'm great. I'm very happy that I could say the two words, President Biden. Yeah, I know. It's a long time coming. Yeah, and, and, and I think last time you called in, you and I were both just like 
something something's going to happen we're, we're not we're not we didn't allow ourselves to 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 just say it's done it's over with and and yeah. clearly you know with with the attack that happened you know i'm sure both of us were expecting you know something bad to happen today or or were worried that something bad would happen today fortunately it did not um, and things went well. And so, yeah, I was, um, uh, I was in full paranoia mode, but, yeah. uh, you know, one of those going, get inside, get inside, just get it over with, you know, a few lockdown cameras, uh, chief justice, get the, get the oath of office over with, but having seen it and nothing happened, it was good. I'm glad they did it. It was public. It was out front. It's what it had to be. Right. You know, it was clean. It was cleansing, but, uh, you know, it's strange. I'm after you know four or five years of screaming about this guy. It's like I'm trying to feel joy, but it's more like when the doctor calls and says, "Good news, your cancer's in remission." Right. You know, I can't quite get to joy yet. I've still got my shields up. Right. But uh, it's it's uh, it's going to take a little while. And the unfortunate but, thing about uh, cancer is cancer can always come back and can come that, back in different forms. So that is my point. That's exactly my point. You have you know, to be ever vigilant uh, when it comes to that, and we need to be ever vigilant when it comes to the uh, comes to the Trumps um, and, and the yeah. supporters of Trumps. Now, it, um, I, I, earlier in the show, I, I suggested that you know, there's one thing. If I, if, if I, I like the fact that Joe Biden is somebody who wants to unite the country, uh, I, I like the fact that you know, I, I think. If, if there was anybody in the office that would be capable under normal circumstances of United the country, I think it, it would be Joe Biden. I think he is the one uh, to help make, I guess, the transition as he called himself the transitional president. Um, but do you believe, do you agree with me that maybe Joe Biden is being president Biden is being a little too optimistic in his thoughts that, uh, in, in possible success in uniting the country? I think he's saying exactly what he should say. I also think he's a veteran of the Senate and having been vice president, he knows exactly what's facing him. I mean, the executive orders today, that was great. He came out of the box swinging, doing what he said he had to do. Other things are going to have to go through the Senate. So I imagine that at some point, if he hasn't done it already, he's called Mitch McConnell and said, so how are we going to do this? You know, how Mm -hmm. are we going to play it? Because McConnell, I think, is got one eye on 2022 and another on 2024. And he's thinking if I go obstruction, then this could happen. And if I play along, then that could happen. So again, I think Biden has said exactly what he's got to say, though, you know, the Republicans who are suddenly calling for unity, right? Uh, like, the, you know, they storm the castle, they dump all over the Capitol, they rampage, they kill those people. And then suddenly it's uh, okay. Unity. Right. You know, they, not they have to prove not so fast. As I said this earlier in the show too, they have to prove that they have they ha- the onus is on them to show that they are really willing to start the healing process. And part of that includes, you know, debunking, helping to debunk all of the lies that were told about the legitimacy of the election. Um and at least I mean McConnell did that, but McConnell wasn't one of the <laughs> He, 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 even though he's leader in the Senate, and he should have set the response, he should have set the 
set the example of the Republicans. He's not Ted Cruz. He's not was it ha- Holly? From no, Josh Holly. Josh Holly. Yeah. He's not. He's not. He's not those two traitors. So, you know, those but, people are the ones that need to either step aside or do major mea culpas and and eat crow. Lots of it. Yeah, but this notion. This was his. Uh, his final Hail Mary, you know, that this was rigged, which he preloaded before the election, and he did it in 2016. You know, I'll accept the results of the election if I win. That was 2016, so he had no need right. to play the rigged, rigged card, but he set it up months ahead of time. You know, yep. it's, it's a fail, you know, it's a fail safe. If I win, no problem, and if I lose, I'm going to scream foul. And given that he had mail-in voting as a target, but nobody called him out on this. I mean, the nonsensical statements of the ballots, the ballots, the rig, the trick. I mean, this is gibberish from a child. And not one person on that side of the fence called him out and said, what you're doing is not only absurd, but it's dangerous. Except right. for that uh, guy in Georgia who finally <laughs> said enough, a Republican again. Right. Enough is enough. You have to stop. People are going to get shot. People are going to get hurt. People are going to get killed. He said it before the Capitol. You know, it's, those are the only few corners where there was decency and sanity coming out of the Republican Party. McConnell had every right to stand up and say that Cruz and Hawley and Mo Brooks and the rest of these mutants, what they're doing is treasonous and they need to stop. But he I mean, and, pe- and he, people he, want to give Mitt Romney credit for what he said after the attack on the Capitol in front of the Senate. Um, and apparently Romney chewed out Cruz during it, saying, this is on you. You caused this. But Romney could have taken a stronger stance when, you know, yeah. he, you know he was he was approached by voters like in, in some airport, I believe. And yep. he just gave a wishy-washy response on on the results of the election, instead of taking a firm stance and saying, you know what, this is crap, you're, you're being sold a bill of goods, you need to reevaluate where you're getting your, your information. Um, yeah. But, but these people, yeah. Knew, they need to use language that people understand. He needs to have said, because Romney, you know, it's Republican courage, which is right. not quite actual courage, but you look for as close as you can get to it. Romney right. could have said, this is insane. What you people are doing is criminal. You are riling people up. You're giving them not just false help, but you're spreading lies. I mean, you need to say this with some degree of passion. And Romney has always been measured. You know, given that and his, the circumstances he's in, yeah, that was a little bit of blowback. But it was vanilla blowback. And, you know, people were so hot because they were riled up. You needed to just uh, throw a lot of water on that fire and not gasoline. Right. And, you know, so, again, it's, it's Republican courage, which has an asterisk next to it. Right. Well, I think the article today that, uh, that made me laugh was something that was uh, on NBC News, and the title of the article was, Some QAnon Followers Lose Hope After Inauguration. Yeah. I don't think yeah. this is supposed to happen. Um, and yeah. like they feel betrayed. They, they didn't <laughs> switch happened. faces. Mm-hmm. Trump and Biden didn't switch. They didn't switch faces, and that was right. actually Trump taking the oath of office. I mean, you know, <laughs> I but, guess. but I there's, know. there's a level of uh, these people. 
there's just a level of anger, rage, and stupidity all rolled into one yeah. that, you know, descended on Washington, got whipped up by Trump and the rest of them. He incited a riot that led to people dying. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Everybody saw it with their own eyes. And if anybody had any doubt, if you tried to, you know, pull the usual weasels, well, I never said this. The right. evidence is that he was in the White House watching this on TV and doing nothing. Right. Calling out. Tac- it was tacit. His, his non, uh, non-action was tacit approval of their actions. He was gleeful. Yeah. You know, the only thing he regretted was that the optics of these people, you know, they didn't look like he wanted them to look. The picture wasn't that good. So that was his dis- disappointment. But I think this was his Hail Mary, you know, his Reichstag fire. And right. it didn't work. And I think after that, I think he got played out and he started getting a little, uh, he got humiliated, turned into a little puppy dog, offered a couple of weak responses and then started to realize this is not going to go his way. But man, imagine being so dark and so cynical that you would take the, the entire country to these depths. You know, this, this, isn't, uh, this isn't low taxes and deregulation. You know, well, no, because I mean, became... anybody, who, anybody who knew, I mean, you know, the whole we told you so, you know, we, you know people who knew what type of person Donald Trump is, is like, look, he is a con man. He's a con artist. He's always been a con man, a con artist. And don't expect yep. him to change his stripes or spots or whatever uh, just because he has this title, this office that he probably didn't really even want in the first place. But because he got the power, he abused the hell out of it and filled the swamp with a swampier swamp. Yep. I mean, you know, it scared me enough in 2016 because he got 63 million votes. That means right. that 63 million Americans looked at him and said, yeah, that's my guy. You know, and even if you said, all right, maybe frustration, whatever, economic anxiety, even if you went there, explain 74 million votes in 2020. You know, not just, because more peop- not just because more people voted, but those people were still out there after four years of this, after all the depravity plus COVID, which, you know, the Chinese may have let out, but he let it in and he let it spread and he denied it. And now we're suffering through it. Even after all that, 74 million Americans said, yeah, give me, give me four more years of this. Yep. That, it, that's something that, that terrifies me. Well, one of the things, you know, I, I knew back when Donald Trump made his famous, this whole thing is a Democrat hoax. I yeah. knew that what Donald Trump was saying was, they were like their response was a hoax. Like they were making it worse than it should be, even though they weren't. Um, I knew he wasn't saying that the virus itself was a hoax, but that the response was, I also knew that his listeners don't, a lot of his supporters don't aren't capable of, of parsing that sort of thing. And we'll hear this is a hoax and say, Oh, the virus itself is a hoax. And that, that's what helped to kill 400,000 Americans. I'm not going to put every single loss of life on Trump, but I'll put at least half, if not more, on, on yeah, his if, shoulders. If not more. What he said in that speech during that time was the latest Democrat hoax, and he, right. the coronavirus. He even mocked the, the name of it itself. 
he dumped on it. He said it'll go away like magic. He was going to open right. up the country in April over Easter because he liked the uh, imagery. You know, right. He had a thousand chances to act like a human being, look into the camera and said, this is serious. Masks are important. We need to stop the spread. Everything they did in other civilized Western countries. He if did, he would have just said, think, wearing a mask is your patriotic duty to, to help support your it. fellow people, and, and, oh, and, yeah. and the, his supporters would have fallen in line and been like, yes, sir, reporting for duty, sir, I will wear my MAGA mask with pride. And Absolutely. He and had the, that liberals, power. the liberals would have said, I'll listen to Fauci, and Fauci says this is okay, we'll listen to it, and it would have been much better. But no, he, yeah. he is responsible for the deaths of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of American lives. Yes. Um, and for some, but here's the thing, it's just like uh, every single conversation that I have with, with people that still support Donald Trump, which you know clearly a lot of them are out there, usually goes yeah. the same way. They 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 spout some conspiracy theory, you know. And if I give them the evidence to show them that they are wrong, they'll never say, "Oh, you have a point. I'm I am wrong about that. I'm sorry." They'll they'll never admit that they're wrong because they view that as a sign of weakness. And then they'll just and then most of them will 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 pivot the conversation to, "Well, what about this? Or what about voter yeah. fraud? Or what about?" It's it's always you can never confront the, their own flaws because doing well you're so, not dealing you're, you're not dealing with reason you're dealing with emotion right. and the need for it not to be true I mean have you ever met a Scientologist and tried to talk them out of that <laughs> yeah, they're no. not working they're not working off of of uh, reason and thought they're working off of an emotional need for this guy to be in power because they got empowered by him being in power. So the thought of the dear leader uh, losing it, it was way, way too much for people to bear. You know, right. how, why else? I mean, I've been in demonstrations in Washington in my life. Uh, I saw those demonstrations after 2016. People uh, walked into cities en masse, wore uh, pink hats and carried ironic signs. Nobody right. stormed anything. Okay, so these people were working off a different playbook. They're coming off the emotions of having this guy go down, and they just couldn't bear it. What they thought they were going to accomplish, I haven't the slightest idea. What did you think you were accomplishing by yeah, a few people storming the Capitol? You know, you're going to kill people. Eventually, they're going to get you out, right. rounding you up. So even from the point of view of the, the idiot in charge himself, I don't know what he thought he was going to accomplish. It makes no sense. But maybe, you know, this was his last play because he's looking at uh, impeachment. He's looking at lawsuits, you know, legal cases, and he's looking maybe at jail. Right. He's going to be tied up in the the system for a long time and good. They should twist him into knots. Hopefully. But and what, yeah. one of the things, one of the ways I've described these supporters is that you know, these are the type of people that would would continuously double down on twelve. Like yeah. anybody who played blackjack, you know, might, yeah. you might have doubled, tried to double down on twelve once because you felt lucky, you felt like you could do it, and then you failed miserably because you got your ten, and so you busted out. Um, yeah. And but these are the people that were really like, oh well, I still feel like I should be able to double down, and they'll just they would just continue doubling down on twelve all day long until 
you know, they and, and then they would never admit that their play was wrong. It was some of uh, the card, the card deck must have been broken. The, the shuffler must yeah. not be working properly. You know, I was dealt the wrong card. You know, that, that's, that's, yeah. that's these people. Well, ima- imagine saying the deal is crooked. You yeah. Know, they're dealing from underneath the deck when you lose over and over again. Again, you know, these are not political scientists. They're political Scientologists. You know, they're, they're cult members. They need to be in power. And now he's just some schmuck who's sitting in his place in Florida with a wife who hates him and kids <laughs> who are just hanging on for the money and maybe hanging on for dear life. Because I didn't remember. I don't think any of them got a pardon on the way out. Not that I could see. And then the list of pardons, I mean, I read through tried to read through most of them last night when it was released and just some of them were fine pardons like uh, nonviolent criminals being locked up for 15 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you're in, you're in jail for, you're you're in prison for drug charges. Fine. You know, I'm not going to complain about every single pardon that he gave yesterday, but I mean, I don't know if little Wayne needed a pardon. I don't know. Exactly. Well, other people that got pardoned. Yeah. What, are the, what are the odds that that was uh, bought and paid for? Right. Uh, probably very you know. much so. And, but Bannon, like, how do you, can't want to clean the swamp and then pardon Bannon. Like that, that, that well, that's what, just. What I don't get is that if his fraud extended, <coughs> uh, it's not just federal. If it extended to states, then he could be liable for state charges. Right. So uh, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know, but that, that was one theory I heard, you know, why Bannon maybe wants him to, you know, mount another challenge and he wants him on his side. This guy goes, he's very transactional and it's whatever's happened in the moment. That's what he'll do. But, and, but the thing is, is that if, as, again, I'm not a lawyer either. So my understanding, it may be flawed. Uh, but if, if, if Bannon has anything on Trump, now that, now that Bannon is pardoned, Bannon can't plead the fifth because right. they because whatever he says can't incriminate him because he's been pardoned for the crime, so he yeah, can't plead I, the fifth. So he has to now be able he has to, he can be forced to answer uh, whatever is asked of him about those issues. And Donald Trump could go down in flames on those things if Bannon has the information and it's pertained to why he was pardoned. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that go also for Roger Stone and Manafort? Yeah, I mean, you know, because one would think, but yeah, you'd have either to you make a deal with you can make a deal with prosecutors and give yourself a virtual pardon, right? All you got to do is turn against the boss. So you know, who knows? I listen to when the lawyers speak. I listen to what they say, but it is a curiosity. Yeah, I just. Like I, I like I don't know how long I'm gonna you know I mean I'll clearly you know. Trump will pretty much determine how much more people talk about him in the news. It's possible he might just feel dejected and just go away and not do anything again and that be the end of it. Or it's possible mm-hmm. he tries to start a third party, starts, starts, tries to start a media empire and makes his own little faction, which potentially, depending on how, it, how, it, how they do it, it could be good for the Democrats because if Trump is able to form a successful third party conservative party and you're now splitting votes between Republicans yeah. and Trumplicans, then that only serves to help the Democrats. Yeah. So, so go ahead and uh, do it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's interesting. I just, I just read something. I think it was at Fox where they fired a whole bunch of people 
uh, in the like people who had called Arizona mm-hmm. for Biden that night. So I'm wondering right. if they're trying to like flank even further right to head off Trump at the pass because that field is getting very crowded, you know, with Fox, OAN, uh, and the other ones. And Newsmax. So Newsmax, yeah. Not to mention Sinclair. Right. So who knows? Who knows if he's got the bandwidth and the interest to uh, to mount something like that? Not only that, but I think his people are invested in him being a, you know, in his language, a winner. I mm-hmm. think they got off on him being a winner and attaching themselves to a winner, which he looked like when he got off Air Force One or walked into the briefing room or walked out into the White House and gave a little impromptu press conference and took off on Marine One. He had all the trappings, a winner. Now he's gotten none of them. Right. So he, he looks, he's starting to look and feel like a loser, which I think some of his people will just evaporate off that. And, you know, see, but part of that, I think, is not just a spontaneous event, which is where Democrats have got to step in. What they need to do is to take his reputation and rebrand him into the dust. They need to go on a more multi-year PR campaign, talk about the diseases he left behind and how life has gotten better and we're back to work. He caused it. We fixed it. And they have to bombard him to the point where they grind his reputation into dust. If they do that, I think there's a chance he won't come back. But my, you know, my query is always, will it come back? Right. You know, because I mean, of those, of those 75 or so million voters who voted for Trump, like how many of them are pure Trump loyalists or, and how many of them are, I'm just going to always vote for the Republican because I can't vote for the Democrats, you know, but I really don't right, but like right. how many of them don't like Trump, but would never vote for a Democrat, which I'm, I'm sure yeah. there's a chunk there of, of your extreme pro-life, despite the fact that I'm sure Trump would get millions of abortions if, if, if sure. people wound up pregnant on his behalf, because he's a hypocrite. But then again, many Republicans are, you know, because yeah. they can afford they can afford to go do it on the side or go to a state where it's legal um, or yep. to a country where it's legal. Um, but it's I don't I don't know I, I, how much of the of that block that voted for Trump are going to be people who who are just solid Republicans, never vote Democrats, or even if the Republican candidate is a horrible piece of garbage and how many of them are if the Republican party doesn't support Donald Trump, I'm leaving the Republican party to go support whatever third yeah, party at, Trump goes with. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's that expression? It's not the name on the back. It's the color of the Jersey. Right. So I think a lot of those people will, are just straight ahead Republicans. I mean, look what happened in Alabama. You've got Doug Jones as your senator. Yeah. And the only way he, the only way he got in is that he narrowly beat a child molester. That's right. what it took to get a Democrat elected to the Senate in Alabama. And this, you know, Tuberville, a football coach, doesn't know the three branches of government, comes along and it was like everybody was saying way ahead of time, yes, Doug Jones is never going to win. So I I never never expected Doug Jones to be able to pull that one off. It's ridiculous. that They already wrote him off. Yeah. 
So I'm wondering. I'm wondering you know, that, if Doug Jones is going to get Garland's seat now because of what we discussed, uh, yeah. and we were like, you know, because now that since Garland was pointed, we we talked about that, and I think we both kind of said it probably is going to be Garland because maybe you then see Jones in the seat, but yep, one of them is being groomed for the Supreme Court, I would think. Yeah. Well, Garland you know, was already there, have, but yes, he was. He, he was. But you need, but you need the seats. Um, and then you also need to be able to overcome any filibusters, which you have 50 votes plus one. You should be able to just, I mean, to me, there's no reason to hold on to the filibuster. The, the, the Democrats started it, but the Republicans pretty much killed it during their time in power. Yep. I just, I just, I don't understand it. That's one of the things that's been bothering me about this, this, you know, some of the news stories that have been coming out about the discussion of the Democrats and control of the Senate and how they're mm-hmm. going to need 60 to pass certain things, and you can only use reconciliation on, on fiscal right. things. That's true. You can use re- reconciliation on fiscal matters, but why are you going to – if the roles were reversed, you know that the, that the oh. Republican Party would not leave the filibuster intact for you to be able to obstruct what they're doing. So why are we ever going to allow the Republicans to, to use the filibuster against us especially when they used it to their used the nuclear option to their benefit. Like to me, that's, that's right. where the Democrats need to grow a spine. Well, then it comes, then it comes down to what you can pass because I think Manchin has already come out and said, no, I'm not going to go for that. Yeah, so, I know that. That's, can, that's, 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 that's the important t- thing. So either you then have to convince one of the other ones to be like, yeah, let's, 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 right. let's break the filibuster. Like maybe a Romney, maybe a Collins, maybe a Murkowski, you know, one of them, you could probably get one of them on on any particular issue, but I don't know if, if you can get one of them on that issue. Maybe yeah, Romney might be most likely because I don't know if Romney is going to be able to get elected again because people are so mad at him for for yeah, for abandoning Trump. The yeah, they, they, yeah, but it, it's a it's a tall order, I think, to to do that because you have to have one eye on what. Oh my God, what happens if the Republicans get or you know get back in power? And they have that. Now, so do you play it like, well, we've got two years if you right. can get it done quickly. And then what can you accomplish with it versus what can the other side do with it once if, if and when they get back in power, which is always likely because, you know, as horrible as things were and as hopeful as they feel now, American politics is a, politics is a pendulum and it always swings back and forth. So yep. it's, it's never over. And, but the other thing is, what can you pass? If you can't pass it and if you don't have the votes, and I think one thing Biden and uh, Schumer would certainly know is how to whip votes. And if they don't have them, why make a play? Because then right. you lose. Right. So I, I imagine that or I would imagine that those kind of calculations are going on behind the scenes. You know, what can you pass and how does it look if you fail? So, you know, it's always a matter of what should be versus what can be. Right. So, and, you know, the same thing with uh, expanding the court, you know, what people like to call court packing. Right. Can you, can you pull it off? You know, they obviously pulled the the move, you know, the Merrick Garland seat, sure, was stolen, but that's what it is. Right. Thing is, can can you do this? And if you can't, then don't look stupid trying and failing. 
Right. You know, I think this, this is pick your battles. And, you know, the strange thing is right now, if, if this were an even playing field and it was just politics as usual, old president, new president, that'd be one thing. But this, this disease is tearing up, you know, through the country. We're headed for the worst of it. And the way back to a normal economy is through the disease, not around it. You know, right. Trump just didn't like it because it got, he got mad at it. He got mad at it because it was screwing with his reelection narrative, which was the economy. So he got angry and a mark of how this person is, how fatally stupid he is, is that he didn't see his own self-interest. He was so blinded. He could have won if he yep. did the things that you, you said before, you know, our patriotic duty. Here's Dr. Fauci. Here's Dr. Burks. Here are the experts. Listen to them. Wear a mask. It's your patriotic duty. We're getting you this. We got the vaccine. He would have won. Absolutely. So he chose. I mean, I would have voted for him, but he might have. He may very well have won had he just done those simple things. He he got 74 million votes by letting it spread through the country, you know, and and some states were, you know, not blowouts. They were close. Yep. You know what? What he thought he was going to accomplish by just turning Georgia back by trying to, you know, come on. I need give me a break. I need 11000 votes. I don't know what right. he thought he was going to accomplish. He wasn't pulling it off in Pennsylvania or Wisconsin or Michigan. So, you know, who knows what that game plan was other than just he's flailing. But he could have won yep. if he played this intelligently, which is something I'm sure he doesn't come in contact with too often. <laughs> right. It, it, it struck me that it was the one time he failed to see his own self-interest. You know, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. You know, a million people die. Absolutely doesn't care. He framed it as, well, they're predicting two and a half million and we're only going to get like a few hundred thousand. So that's a victory. Those are people's right. lives. Well, he, here's, here's where I think with him on that. I think with him on that is, is it's the mindset of the, you know, in the long term, everyone's dead. I'm like, where I think mm-hmm. Keen said that one time. And that's why a lot of people only worry about the short term. Well, Trump is only worried about the short term. He's only worried about how he looked now. That's why he didn't want to see, he didn't want to see high testing numbers and showing, Oh, this many people have really have the virus because to right. him, that would make him look bad. Despite the fact that expanding testing so that everybody could get tested, get it clamped out. You'd then be able to probably open up businesses and only shut down targeted areas when things got bad. You'd probably be able right. to have the more of the economy open, less businesses shutting down, if only you would have tested more and, and gotten yeah. it. But because he didn't want to see that, he didn't think in the long term because he's a business person and business people often don't think in the long term. So because right. they but, want to maximize but, their profits now and then bail, which is what he yeah. did with all of his other companies. Plus, he's an imbecile. Yeah. And nobody, if there were any, was one person around him who said, you know, you could play this differently. I don't think it, it's not in his ken to do that. That would, would have required a degree of foresight and uh, compassion and intelligence that he just doesn't possess. But for a guy who made his whole life based around self-interest, it was the one time he failed to see his self-interest. You know, yep. everyone who wants a test can get one. I don't want the numbers to go up, you know, for someone who's so sensitive to optics, he blew the optics. Right. This. He could have stood back and let Fauci and Burks and the guy from the CDC 
and talk and just said, listen to the experts. This is serious, but we'll get through it. He could have pulled that off. All it took was a little flight of fancy out of his comfort zone. Even pretend compassion. Right. People, people but, might have bought that, you know? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think he's the type of person where, like, if, like, if somebody close to him were to die, like, I don't think he would ever shed a tear. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's, I don't think compassion or, or, or tears or anything that, I don't think that's a quality that he has. Like, like no, he has, I don't he, think he has empathy. There's no empathy there. No, it, no, he never has malignant narcissist, you know, yeah. but the fact he even got the disease. I mean, you would think <laughs> even a denier who came out the other side and said, Oh my, you know, I just had a, you know, road to Damascus moment. I've had a revelation. This is serious. Protect yourselves, protect your families, all of that. He, well, let's put it this way. One could have done that. Right. Someone in his position in an election year could have done that. He could have framed the economy saying this is the virus. Once we lick the virus, the economy, my economy comes back. Right. You know, uh, he tried to take credit for the economy. I built the greatest economy in history. Not one person countered him in the public space to say, no, you didn't. You know, stock market went up under Biden. Obama and Biden went up almost 300%, and they dug the economy out of a ditch, put there by a Republican. Now he puts the same exact policies back in place. Stock market is up 30%. You know, but the fact is the stock market is not the supermarket. And nobody, right. made, you know, they, they let him get away with evaluating American life based on the Dow. You know, one of his early comments was, yeah, whatever it was, trying to paint a rosy picture and then saying stock market's starting to look very good to me. One of his little tweets. Right. So that's the way this guy looks at life. And he couldn't take it because, he, you know, the unemployment rate was going up. Right. So he couldn't see past couldn't see past his nose on this one. But it's you know, it spooks me that had he figured that out, there was a potential that he could have pulled this off. You know, but because he was so dark and told so many lies and so many people were dying and the media was on it that I think people reached out to Joe Biden. I think it was like five years of torment. You just reach out for somebody decent and intelligent right. and experienced. You know, that was another emotional reaction. I mean, how many Democrats ran? How many were on that in the field? Right. 20 something? You know, there's a ton. Of them. And, 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 and a lot of people were, were you know, questioned, you know, you know, you knew Joe Biden was going to do well once you hit the South. But, you know, yeah. because of his popularity amongst black voters, both, you know, with, with what he's done and, and the support he's had, plus the fact that he was vice president over or during uh, the, the Obama right. presidency. So but the people are like, well, you knew it was a fix because Biden didn't do well in Iowa and New Hampshire. I was like, what do Ohio, Iowa and New Hampshire not have? Black people. Yeah, so, exactly. So and once they got down to the South, and, and you know, I hate regurgitating this argument over again, but, you know, Bernie didn't campaign in the South well in 2016 and he didn't learn his lessons in 2020. So Biden was able to sweep through the South and pick up all of those votes and give himself another insurmountable lead. Um, 
the same insurmountable yeah. lead that that Hillary had back in 2016 in the primaries as well. Um, but you know, Biden was just, I mean, he is such a, like, as I said before in the show, you know, my grandparents knew him. My grandmother knew Jill Biden. Um, they always gushed about how good of a person he was about how of a good quality person that, that the Bidens were. And so that, that type of thing, just, you know, I don't remember ever hearing them talking any way about anybody else outside of the family, you know, except for the Biden. So for them to have touched them as as much as they did, that tells me, you know, that told me all I needed to know about the character of Joe Biden and the type of person he's going to be. So the, which is why, you know, again, you know, his, you know, him getting the nomination, him, you know, giving the, the speeches that he gives where he clearly shows his empathy, him, you know, you know, giving his, uh, you know, speech today several times. I'm sitting there sniffing, yeah. peering, you know, uh, just because I know that humanity has come back to the Oval Office. We yeah, have, we have people, a. Go ahead. Yeah, I said pe- people try to evaluate, they tend to evaluate elections based on the candidate. You know, this candidate, uh, he didn't make it then, he didn't make it then, but it's the candidate and the times. And 1988 right. was not his time. 2008. Right. I believe it was the second one. It was not his time. This was his time. Based yep. on everything Trump did, I think the country or most of the country was reaching out for a decent experience. You know, it, he, he's like a political hug. And <laughs> yep. I think this was his time based on what was happening and who the guy is. You know, he understands suffering he can communicate that so all the gaffes that he you know made coming out of the gate slipped away and he could show himself as someone who understood regular people i mean and every other democrat on that stage you know elizabeth warren's got ten thousand plans and everybody else had a little hook and a few people took cheap shots at him you know which were just you know they had to score points or they would disappear which they did and there are, you know, the future was on that stage. Right. Buttigieg, Buttigieg is the future, you know, and right now I would find Elizabeth Warren and weaponize her, you know, but the present was not on that stage except right. for Biden, because though that's what was happening. It was a matter of the times and the emotions of the times. So he was the right person for this job. I, I always had a feeling he picked Kamala Harris and great, you know, great decision. Mm-hmm. You know, she's terrific. You know, and she is the future. But I mean, I, I, I had friend. some, I had some, I had some issues with Harris back in the day. I had a podcast where I, where I, you know, said, look, these are my issues with 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 what she's done in the past in her career. But make no mistake, even if she gets the, got the pre- if she was able to win the nomination, I'd be like, I have no. No inklings, or I'm not pretending to think that the Harris presidency wouldn't be miles better than a Trump presidency if that ever, if that, if that was the situation that needed to take place. So, you know, we yeah, can well, always have criticisms of of the politicians that we always end up voting for. Earlier today, I was like, look, sure. you know, I was talking about the Cedric Richmond, congressman from Louisiana, is is now on the Biden team, so he's going to be replaced by somebody in the special election. Um, right. Stacey Abrams is supporting somebody 
who in Louisiana who I disagreed with with one of the actions that she took while in the Louisiana Louisiana legislature. And I'm like, look, I I disagree with what she did, but if it's her against another Republican in the runoff, guess who I'm voting for? I'm voting for Karen Carter Peterson because she's still miles better than what the other side is probably going to put out there. Yeah. So, well, we can do that. You know, we can do that too. Yeah. We, we can vote for the Jersey, whoever, you know, just, whoever's name is on the back. Right. That's why I like Louisiana's system the best because Louisiana has the jungle primary and we can vote for who we really like in the first round and then vote for the person who we need to vote for in the second round. So, yeah, look, just, just about anyone on that Democrat on the democratic stage during the primaries, I think with the possible exception of Marianne Williamson, who I still Uh have no idea what the hell she was doing there. That was just an (laughs) ego run amok. You know, why do you think you can do that? But just about anyone on that stage, could have gotten into the Oval Office and done a solid job, infinitely better than the idiot who was there before. Right. Maybe Any not Tulsi. <laughs> no. I mean, look, yeah. one here, one there. But right. most of them, you know, could have done it. But no, mostly absolutely. Was... Yeah, but Castro, Booker, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, yeah. any one of them would have, would have done a good job as president would have been a better option than Donald Trump. And just, again, you were right. It was not their time. It was Joe Biden's time. Well, it was too much policy. And I kept thinking, based on what's going on uh, in the country right now, nobody's hitting emotions. Nobody's doing that Bill Clinton, you know, that Bill Clinton move that he did during those primaries. I feel your pain. Right. You know, now whether he actually felt it or whether he could do that, either way, it worked. Right. But Biden, you know, Biden doesn't have to fake compassion. He completely understands what pain and suffering is like. So when he says it, he's lived it, it, and I think that's where people are right now. Like I said, it's a political hug plus decades of actual experience. You know, it's not like he's a neophyte walking into that job and wondering, gee, I wonder how to deal with Mitch McConnell. I have a feeling he knows. He knows. You know, and and it'll be a curiosity to see, you know, what do you do with Cruz and Hawley? You know, do they censure them? Not to mention the other handful who back that move. I mean, you know, what do you do with Mo Brooks, who was up on that stage? Steve Scalise. Down here in Louisiana. Steve Scalise. Steve Scalise is a mystery to me, you know? (laughs) I mean, what, what does it take to deliver you some compassion? I don't know. You know, like, yeah, I mean, he, what, he gets what, shot. What does it take? He gets shot. You know, cr- one of the cops that helps him is somebody who is a, yes. a lesbian woman. And what, yep. what does he do? He yep. still continues to fight against the people who helped save his life. I, I yeah, don't understand I mean, him. And I know, I, and I know I, him in that we've met, we've had conversations. I've spoken to him on the phone. Back in 2004, we briefly ran against each other. I know Scalise. Like, like, like it's, I, I, it's, it's highly disappointing from where he came from to, to what he became. You know, but that whole, that whole Freedom Caucus, these are some, some deranged individuals. Yeah. You know, Matt Getz, Jim Jordan. I mean, where they dig these people up and how they get elected is always a mystery to me. You know, I will never understand Florida politics. 
No. They've got the two, two among the two worst senators in that body. You know, what's his, what are they calling him? Micro Rubio? Right. You know, the one thing Trump got right that he was accurate about during those primaries in 2016, he is Little, little Marco. Marco. Yeah. He is Little Marco. He's small. He feels small. He looks small. He comes off small in the sense of petty and, and cheap and will go whichever way the wind blows. You know, and then Rick Scott, who I just keep thinking of a Disney serpent whenever I see him. You know, how Americans cough these people up and put them into office has always been a mystery to me, even if you don't vote straight down the line Democrat. Right. You know, what, I can remember a time when they were actually centrist Republicans. Not that I agree with them, but, you know, I'm not going to jump off a roof if they get elected. Right. Like, and, well, and well, not one of them became me. a Democrat, or at least in what, Spectre, I think, was the last one I can think of. All Spectre, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, some of these old guard guys, you know, they've been around so long. I don't know that they bought into Trump, but they certainly rode the wave. Yep. I didn't hear one. I didn't hear one of them in all this time. Who was it? Joseph Welch during the Army McCarthy hearings at mm-hmm. long last, sir. Have you no decency? Not one of them. You know, not one. Because they were so terrified of the base and so terrified of being primaried and so terrified of being tweeted at that they just towed the line, even though privately they admitted that they hate this guy. But, you know, political expediency, I comprehend it. But when lives are at stake, when lives are at stake, I don't understand it. And that's what we've been dealing with for the last year. I've lost relatives, two in the last two weeks. I'm very sorry to hear that. You know what? I'm just like anyone else. Eventually, the circle gets narrower. Uh, you know, so right. I was on a Zoom call the other day with cousins who were, you know, huddled in the basement because they've got it. They don't want to infect the family. I mean, this, you know, this thing is real. And yeah. had he made that case, like you described it, early on, could have saved a lot of lives, and he could have gotten himself potentially gotten himself reelected. But even he was too dumb to see, see that. Instead, he went, you know, the full lie route. Anyone who wants a test can have one. Um, you know, the tests are fantastic. They're perfect. We're shipping out all the vaccines. One lie after another, you know, and you can lie your way through a lot of things, but you cannot, you cannot hoax a disease away. So that one always puzzled me. You go, this guy is so dumb, he's putting the nail in his own coffin along with everybody else. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to call the end, end of the show. Anything else you want to say before we head off and end the show for today? Nah, you know, it's uh, a couple of months ago. I put out a book on this. I published it, I mean, not a couple of months ago, a couple of months before the election. It's called right. Death to America, How We the People Screwed Ourselves. And now I'm thinking I may change the title and put it out again under the heading America's near-death experience. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I'm not sure yet. All right. I'm well, if you do... A, I'm in a wait-and-see mode. Yeah. Well, you always have an open invitation to come to the show. Love having you on. Um, Happy love to. Love talking to you. Yeah, you bring good content to the show, and I appreciate it. So thank you very much. My and you have a, a good rest of your week, a good start of uh, the 46th presidency, and stay safe and stay healthy. Absolutely. You too. Stay safe. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Okay, and this is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. Uh, tune in next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central, uh, to hear more of the podcast. Uh, between then, there's the Anchor Minicast, minicast.liberaldan.com. Uh, you can support the show via the Patreon, patreon.com slash liberaldan. You can buy commercial advertising on the show as well as supporting the show at lower levels too. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's probably the most important thing you could do. YouTube.liberaldan.com will get you there. Um, and then, of course, Liberal Dan Radio, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Liberal Dan on Facebook. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right.